Yo, 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 what is going on? This is your humble correspondent, John Ross, Marcus Cox, coming back to you with the Way Too Much JRMC podcast. Hope everybody's had a wonderful last couple of weeks. Um, hope y'all, hope everyone enjoyed my uh, the last show that I posted on here. That was <clears throat> my guest appearance on the Talk Junkies podcast from out in Kansas City. Want to give all those guys a shout out. Tell them thank you for having me on. It was an absolutely phenomenal experience and get to meet some cool, cool people. And man, it was just I, I, I was immediately shown how what the power of social media was and alternative news sources and all that. It was within like hours. I was getting calls from people across the country that are doing similar things to what I'm doing and that have already been way more successful than I've been at it. All that, you know, all that good stuff. Want to get one to help or, you know, want to know how they could help. You know, all, all that good stuff. It was pretty, it was pretty awesome. So, uh, again, want to say thanks to Paul Weiss and the crew at, out with, at, with the Talk Junkies podcast. Thanks a lot for having me on. Um, well, let's go, we'll go and get our, uh, normal housekeeping stuff out of the, out of the way here. Obviously, anybody watching the show, appreciate y'all listening, listening in, appreciate you giving me your time and attention on this Friday evening. Or whenever it is, or whenever it is you're listening, maybe you're in the future listening to this. Um, you can find me on any of the on any of the social media platforms by searching the by searching way too much JRMC WAY the number two M U C H and then JRMC. It's my name, J- John Ross Mars Cox. Find me on all the social media platforms except for currently you can't find me on Facebook. So I got uh I got banned on Facebook and Instagram for a spell and I've immediately filed an appeal and it said like it might take 30 days to get an answer back I got an answer back in like 10 minutes saying they was like uh-uh you ain't getting back on I have about a I have about as milk toast of a social media presence as you could possibly have so I have I didn't know what what possibly could have happened um but then soon got an email within like 10 hours saying it was all a mistake in the first place and they're going to be reinstating me. I'm back on Insta. I got my Insta back, but I ain't, I'm not back on Facebook yet. So please, uh, Meta, get me back on there. It's Christmas time, and I got to get some stuff on Facebook Marketplace. You feel me? I ain't trying to buy that, all that stuff brand new. Everything in my house is used. So find me on any of the social media stuff. Also, you can go to any of the, any of the podcast platforms, video. I'm on YouTube and Rumble, audio on you know Apple Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast, yada yada, all, all, all them bad boys. Just search way too much JRMC, or you can click the link in the show description. Um, take you to my link tree or my RSS feed, and you can click on the platform of your choice. So, yeah, we got that out of the way. So, so it's been a couple of weeks since I you know posted that last show where I was that guest appearance. But the last the last two weeks, I've been in the trenches. People, I'm telling you, I've been like helping. I've been writing a couple of bills, a parental rights bill. I'm um, trying to help a guy here in Kentucky revise his uh, Second Amendment protection bill. Um, and I got another one right now that's uh, I can't wait to talk about. That uh, could be like earth shattering here in Kentucky. Be, I mean, it'd be awesome. But we'll go. We'll get. We'll go through all that. <clears throat> the main topic of discussion today isn't shouldn't be a partisan one. I mean, but this, you know, this topic is one that the left has lost its mind on. And like, but I think it's, 
true to the core message that you know that whenever my boy Pink and I started doing this show was uh, very central to that theme that communities that the uniparty, you know, whether it be the establishment, Democrats, establishment, Republicans, whatever, the communities that they that they don't want talking agree on on this issue, but they try to drive a wedge between us, and that is that's school choice. Um, so in Kentucky, we 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 had we passed a bill. I think it was this yeah this this past session or maybe it was the session before that, basically establishing education opportunity accounts, basically so like businesses or individuals could could donate funds um, into these to these organizations that were going to be nonprofits that were going to distribute the funds out to people that qualified based on certain income limits and all that stuff. But they'd also it'd be tax deductible. I actually think it was going to be tax credits. It actually would have been more than just deductions. It had been tax credits. And our uh, Kentucky Supreme Court struck it down yesterday. So uh, I know I was, I don't want to say I'm so, I was surprised. I was surprised that it totally struck it down. I was expecting it to be, if that it, if it was ruled against, it was going to be ruled against for, you know, a more narrow set of reasons because the the program limited it to only certain areas and certain income demographics and all that. So I thought they may say it was unconstitutional to limit it only to certain kids. Um, but they just straight up said, uh-uh, it's gone. So uh, I know a lot of my legislative buddies, you know, my one of my closest legislative friends, Mr. Josh Calloway, Representative Josh Calloway, give him a little shout out. You know, I'm, I'm sure I haven't talked to him since this happened, but I bet I'm sure he's devastated. Um, it's a baby, baby of his, and he is very passionate about all kids having, you know, the choice of where they where they want to go to school and everything. But when I say this isn't a partisan issue, I'm going to play something for you here, and. I'm, then I'll tell you who who it is afterwards. I, I'm hoping that it plays. I think I figured out how to how to play something on my computer, and you'll be able to hear it. I tried this in the past, and it didn't work. So if it doesn't work, I apologize. It's going to be like a minute and a half. So actually, I'll just go and tell you who this is. So this is Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. All right. So he's a Democratic senator, state of New Jersey. Even though I hate intersectional politics, I'm going to go and tell you he is a He's a black dude. All right, so he's black. He's Democrat. Supposedly school choice is a very Republican issue, right? It's supposed to be only like rich people that want it, only rich white people, white supremacists. It's, it's white supremacy to want all kids, including black kids, to be able to choose to go to school. But let's listen to what he had to say about this, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So here we go. I cannot ever stand up and stand against a parent having options because I benefited from my parents having options. And when people tell me they're against school choice, whether it's the Opportunity Scholarship Act or charter schools, I look at them and say, as soon as you're telling me you're willing to send your kid to a failing school in my city or in Camden or Trenton, then I'll be with you. But as far as I know, all the people representing my city right now, I'm not exaggerating. I've looked, maybe I'm wrong, but all the people representing my city in elected office that have children in schools, let's start at the top, 
I'm going to be out there fighting for my president, but he does not send his kids to Washington, D.C. public schools. I got a governor in the state house. He does not send his kids to Trenton public schools. I could go all the way down to city council people in Newark that do not send their kids. So what have we created? A system that if you're connected, elected, have wealth and privilege, you get freedom in this country? And now you want to deny that to my, my community? No. I'm going to fight for the freedom and the liberty and the choice and the options of my people in the same way you will defend that right for yourself. Well, boom, there you go. I couldn't have said it any better myself, Mr. Booker. Because he's exactly right. Nobody's out here pro being a proponent of only school choice for rich white kids. The whole point of the current school choice movement is to give every kid a, a choice of where they go to school. the whole point and he's also absolutely correct that all these people that are against it I'd, I mean I'd say on a conservative in a conservative estimate that at least 50% of these people that are against school choice center kids to private school I'd say that's on the that's a conservative estimate like I'd I would bet what I what I got in the bank on that, which I didn't much. <laughs> but I'd bet it on it. Right. So even Cory Booker agrees with us on this. Now he just voted against the bill that was aimed towards school choice. Now I'm gonna try to have some intellectual honesty here and some journalistic ethics. I don't there may have been another reason he voted against the bill. That's the problem with federal bills is like there's, they try to put so much crap in them that half the time you think somebody doesn't support something, but they really do. They just didn't support something else. You know, maybe it was the, maybe there was a border wall was in this one or something. I don't know. But like he's historically been an avid supporter of school choice. So I just wanted to play that for you there. Because, again, I think Cory Booker's a good representative. Look, when, I, when, me, when me and my buddy Pink were saying was that communities, the black community and the white, poor white community are not any di aren't different other than skin color, which neither one of us want to even talk about. But Cory Booker's an example of that. He's a black male, obviously, like someone in authority that's worked really hard to get where he's at. I think he played, he played football at Stanford, so that's another thing. Football is part of this culture where now I'm I'm like I'm uh, determined to expose that, and it's one, I think that's one way culturally how we win is we embrace the sport of football. But so I played that for you just because everything else may come from like a, that I talk about may come from a Republican source. It's about as democratic of a source and left left wing left leaning of a source as possible. So let's go now. Let's go over to the news release. So this is from. The Louisville Courier Journal, and I'm going. To, I'm just going to read you the little the article about it being struck down. So it says a controversial school choice program that would have provided dollar for dollar tax credits to those donating money for non-public school tuition is un, is unconstitutional. The Kentucky Supreme Court ruled Thursday. 
The program, blocked by lower court proceedings for more than a year, could have cost the state up to $25 million in its first year of implementation. We'll talk about what, what it means to cost the state later on. Both individuals and corporations would have been able to write off up to $1 million on their state income taxes. In a unanimous opinion, the court's seven justices cited the section of the Kentucky Constitution that prohibits the state from raising funds for non-public schools. In a minute, we will read those. We will read those sections. I think it's important that you uh, that we read them verbatim, and so you don't think it's just my redneck butt telling you what it's what it's talking about. Simply put, the justice wrote, the school choice program puts the Commonwealth in the business of raising sums for education other than in common public schools. The court declined to speak to the intent of the 2021 law creating the tax credit program, namely whether the goal of raising money for more children to have the choice of attending non-public schools is with or without merit, though the justices did cite precedent from a 1983 case. One of the justices went on to say, we cannot sell the people of Kentucky a mule and call it a horse, even if we believe the public needs a mule. If the legislature thinks the people of Kentucky want this change, it should place the matter on the ballot, the court wrote, citing Fannin versus Williams' 1983 case that struck down the state's attempt to purchase textbooks for non-public school students. Thursday's decision ends a lengthy legislative and legal process to make education opportunity accounts a reality in Kentucky. So I think we'd agree that tax credits are much different than trying to buy books from public funds for not for private schools. Under the challenge law, those who donate to the scholarship granting organizations would have received hefty tax credits from the state. Hefty tax credits? I mean, they were dollar for dollar. It wasn't like you do, you donate a dollar, you get $3 in tax credits. It was, so you got to deduct whatever it was you donated. The organizations would use donations to help low- and middle-income families pay for education expenses, most notably private school tuition in the largest counties. This is, the main, this is one of the main sections I want people to pay attention to. And I want... If anybody's Democrats listen to me, and I do think there's some of y'all that are willing to at least hear me out on this stuff. This is where they're missing the boat. Okay, I also think they're missing it on the constitutional matter, but I do think that's more... It may be up for debate. But this idea that school choice isn't already a thing is a farce. Guess who has school choice? Rich people. Okay? And middle class people currently that are willing to forego any extra money they have. I mean, I, I have buddies here in Louisville that their parents have damn near bankrupted themselves to send their kids to private school because the public school system in Jefferson County is so bad. Okay, but those people are putting their money where their mouth is. They're like, so it, they don't care if, they have, if they're getting tax credits or not. They're, they're choosing to forego retirement, to forego vacations, to forego Christmas presents. All that. Because that because choice matters to them. So all this decision does, all y'all that think that, that they want to come at this from like, well, they're against teachers or whatever. It's like when you come at it from that angle, realize that all, all you're doing is keeping certain kids from being able to choose where they go to school. Now that's about as racist and classist 
as you could possibly be. Because this ruling does nothing to keep those uh, those kids that you, like ri- the people that are currently in, in private schools, other than the maybe some middle class people that are doing what I'm talking about, those rich people, they're going to keep going. They weren't going to get anything from this. They weren't going to be able to qualify for it. So the left, the teachers union, Kentucky Education Association, KEA, JC, JCTA, uh, Jefferson County Teachers Association, the, the, Nash, the NEA, National Education Association, they're spending a, a huge amount of resources on keeping poor black kids, poor Mexican kids, poor minorities, in addition to all the poor white people from getting to choose where they go to school. Those are the only people that they're doing this to. And I think it's important that we, that that's a fundamental thing we we continue to remember. Let's keep going. So this is, this came from Krista Johnson, Olivia Krauth, and Mandy McLaren. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron intervened in the case, arguing for the constitutionality of the program. Advocates saw it as a way to drum up donations to open up educational opportunities for families who may not be able to afford them. Critics saw it as a workaround that would allow would-be state tax dollars to flow to private schools. In this ruling, the court agreed with those critics. Though the state would not be sending a direct appropriation to non-public schools, it would most assuredly be raising funds for non-public education through the tax credit program, tax credit plan. The substance of this bill is obvious. It wrote, the funds at issue are sums legally owed to the Commonwealth of Kentucky, Kentucky's Constitution requires voters to sign off on any state funds that go to private schools. No such vote occurred involving EOAs. That's that's true. Governor Andy Bashir said during his team his weekly team Kentucky briefing on Thursday that the ruling showed the state can't send money directly to private schools and they can't send it indirectly either. We'll touch on that in a minute. So it says it's obvious this court's ruling was all about pretending a failed, costly, and inefficient system at the expense of Kentucky's neediest children. Cameron, who's running for governor, tweeted on Thursday that his office was disappointed. Another proponent said school choice programs are popular, proven, and changed the course of students' lives. So Andrew Vandiver said this. He's with uh, oh my gosh, what what he's with Ed Choice Kentucky. So this effort to empower parents is too important to stop, and we will continue working to give every Kentucky student access to an education as unique as they are. It was quickly met by a legal challenge from Council for Better Education, which fought and won a 1989 case that led to major education reform. So Council for Better Education is still an organization. They began in 1989 fighting against major education reform, and they are still to this day fighting against major education reform. And one of the... Let's just be honest. One of the dumbest states in the union. As far as test scores and stuff like that go. Like, I'm from here. I'm one of them. I'm from the mountains. I went to college and, boys, let me tell y'all something. It was like I got kicked in the throat. It was like somebody karate chopped me in my Adam's apple. That's what I felt like every time I went into a lecture hall. Because my buddies that went to private school, they knew how to take notes from a lecturing professor. I knew how to suck up and try to get my science teacher to give me a good grade because I cleaned her room up. Right? Like, not saying all this stuff isn't 
I feel like for the most part, all teachers, they they care. Okay, my mother was a teacher. She tried her hardest. Now, sometimes her hardest meant she was watching Young and the Restless in, the, in, the, in there with the kids back in the 90s. That sometimes was her hardest. Sometimes it meant she was teaching PE when she hadn't played a day, a day of sports in her entire life. But one thing I know for sure, as a redneck that went to college and graduated, it took me a while, but I graduated, those private, my private school counterparts were astronomically more prepared than I was for college, and I was, and I was National Honor Society. I, sp- I spoke at my graduation. So competition is good. We want to raise our game up, right? This is from WDRB. Okay, and the Deputy Chief Justice Elizabeth T. Hughes, okay, stated that we are compelled to agree that the EOA Act violates, and this is important, the plain language of Section 184. And here's, I will say, I think this, that being part of her opinion is important. Because too often, judges and lawyers and legislators, they don't want to use plain language. And if it's plain, they want to make it too hard. Well, like, hey, we can work with this. If if, if our Supreme Court justices are going to start, are going to start interpreting things from the, US, from the Kentucky Constitution in their plain language format, well, by gosh, let's, hey, let's, let's go. I won't, I, won't, I won't read from that from the these articles anymore. Next, though, I'm going to read you something else. So there's a couple different parts of this of this ruling, okay, that they've cited, and then from the, from the Constitution, okay, Section 184, and I'm reading straight from this, straight from the Constitution. I'm going to read this to you. Section 184, among other things, says no sum shall be raised or collected for education other than in common schools until the question of taxation is submitted to the legal voters and the majority of the votes cast at said election shall be in favor of such taxation. There's actually one other section I want to make you aware of as well. Section 189 of the Constitution says no portion of any fund or tax now existing now existing or that may hereafter be raised or levied for educational purposes shall be appropriated to or used by or in aid of any church sectarian or denominational school. So basically says school money cannot be used for church sectarian or denominational schools. It's a very important it's a very important section of the Constitution when it comes to education. And then section one eighty, again, plain language, right? Like this is what we should be to expect as as, as citizens. Section 180 says, Act or ordinance levying any tax must specify purpose for which alone money may be used. So every act enacted by the General Assembly and every ordinance and resolution passed by any county, city, town, or municipal board or local legislative body levying a tax shall specify distinctly the purpose for which said tax is levied and no tax levied and collected for one purpose shall be devoted to another purpose. 
one one thing I, I'm going to I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to be on a mission now. I want to know what our tax dollars are being spent on. It's plain language in our state constitution. Any tax that we're paying, we have to know exactly what it's being spent on, and it can only be spent on that. There ain't no loaning money around to the rest of the, to the uh, to the other chambers or the other like the other uh, you know slush funds they want. You know, like if you if that's what it's for, that's what it's for. Okay, now here I'm going to surprise you a little bit. I got so much stuff on my desk. In my eyes, again, I disagree with this ruling. Okay, I thought they would. I thought they might rule more narrowly or something. But it was totally. It was going to be totally re, a total re, totally reasonable opinion or finding or ruling of, the, of our Supreme Court to say either these tax deductions aren't the same as raising and allocating funds or decreasing tax revenue via tax credits lowers the collect the collected amount of funds and hence creates a collection outside of government coffers. Okay, like First glance, that's to me. That's a reasonable thing to say, especially if you're of the Democrat left wing mindset. Because in your eyes, every like anything that's already been paid in taxes or has been paid in taxes in the past is like it's a it's a done deal. It's a set deal. You're supposed to you you have to everything's based off that. So like to them, lowering tax revenues is Nothing short of blasphemy. It's blasphemic. Right? Is that a word? Okay, but as far as decreasing tax revenues goes, it makes sense, except in no way were, they, were these EOAs, when I say EOAs, I mean educational opportunity accounts, were they going to directly affect the amount of money the Kentucky public, ed, I'm not saying the tax revenues, they weren't going to directly or indirectly affect the amount of money the public education system would receive. There had been no threat of lowering the allocation of funds to the Department of, to the, to the Department of Education, to school districts. There had been no, like, there had been no discussion of lowering teacher pay Okay, like teacher pay, teacher salaries, all that like administrative costs, all that stuff's already set in stone. So no matter what, no matter if, let's say every kid unenrolled and started going private or homeschooling, we'd still be on the hook for those teachers that are, that are under contract. In order for money meant for public education to be spent on something else, wouldn't there have to be an actual direct reduction in the amount of money that was going to be allocated to the Department of Education? Their bottom line, like, wasn't going to be affected. I, I, I don't know that our legislature has actually 
considered ROI at all in what they allocate. They literally go out and say, okay, what do we owe? What do, what's the teachers union contract? What do we owe them? Like you're supposed to be, it's supposed to be tied to the, it's supposed to be tied to your funding and all that. I'm sorry, tied to your uh, attendance and all that. But like, I've never actually seen a situation where a school couldn't pay their bills and then some. Okay, especially considering that Section 186 states that any funds accrued in the school fund must be spent on public schools. Like, to me, that's easily trackable. Like, I've heard anybody even try to make the claim that that, that those coffers of money were going to be reduced. So, you know, unless our state legislature, which I... Till like five minutes ago was Democrat controlled. I think we've been Republican controlled for I forget how I forget what how many years now, but Kentucky's been one of those like Dixiecrat places, I think, for a long for I, mean, I remember all growing up in East Kentucky, it was like dem, everybody voted Democrat straight ticket. But something tells me if we go back in there and look, we talk about plain language. That's section one eighty of uh any tax levied has to be spent on a specific pur- purpose or whatever and cannot be spent on anything else. I bet if we went back and really and really investigated that section, I bet all the legislators would be guilty of that. Republican and Democrat. So, all three sections of the, of the Constitution cites, cited guarantee that the school system will have money to operate. Plus you got it's like property taxes, taxes on different utilities, water, etc. Like those are all specifically allocated to public schools. Like there's taxes built into all that are going to public schools specifically. Getting a tax credit, it lowering your property tax bill. It ain't gonna lower your water bill. I mean, maybe I'm being a simpleton here, but like, to me, by this logic, technically, the Texas Supreme Court is making the argument that like, really, a a body could go in and claim that any tax credit somebody is receiving is unconstitutional. Like, follow me here. Like, if they're also paying for, for private school, or like non-public school educational expenses. So like if you're 65 and you're getting a homestead exemption, a $35,000 reduction in your property value, and you're paying private school tuition for your grandkid, is that also unconstitutional? Because it's is the diff is the is the difference only that is it the EOA itself that's unconstitutional? Because even if all that money from the homestead exemptions isn't accrued into, you know, I mean, it's not saying there's going to be one account that all this money gets accumulated, accru- accru- that it accrues into. It says there's $25 million that the state will disperse to different organizations based on this certain criteria. 
But like, so it could be one account or five million in different accounts that this money that they're getting tax the tax credit. So technically, it's like the same as everybody that's sixty five or older getting this homestead exemption, and maybe it saves them four hundred bucks on their property taxes if they then turn around and spend a thousand dollars on their on their grandkids private school tuition well i mean it's under this logic 400 of that was spent that 400 dollars was spent on private school tuition religious private school tuition you know so like again was it unconstitutional when we had that little property tax holiday last year for vehicle taxes? If those people were paying for private school tuition? Because technically, I mean, like, it's the same thing. It's a tax, it's a reduction in revenue or a tax credit. I mean, again, maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being a simpleton. I don't know. Maybe I'm totally, some of y'all that are listening, some of you legislators, y'all are, y'all are like academics and your attorneys. If I'm being super redneck here and hillbilly and just I'm way off base, tell me. Right, it'd be something we can laugh about it. But the answer is, the true answer is, you know, no, none of those, those things aren't unconstitutional because they didn't affect a damn dime of what schools were going to get. They got what they were going to get. Neither would these tax credits. truth is the left just thinks they own your kids anything that takes anything that can take another child out out of the indoctrination centers they're going to fight it tooth and nail they think they have a god-given right to educate your kids and they don't give one solitary damn let alone two dams they don't give one what you think about it excuse my french preacher man a preacher listens. You don't want your kids exposed to obscene material in libraries? Shut your mouth. You think you have a right to send your kid to a school to learn in a safe environment where they have an SRO? You're, you, you are a racist. You think you have a right to know your kid is asking to be referred to as the opposite sex or that a boy is being allowed to use the restroom with your little with your little baby girl, you are nothing more than a bigot and you should be you should catch a charge. Y'all think the KEA, the NEA, specifically here in Kentucky, the KEA, the JCTA, Jefferson County Teachers Association, y'all think they were bad before this? Oh boy. Get your popcorn ready because they are going to be feel more bold than ever. Like they have all the power. But, here's what I'll say. I got news for them. I got news for y'all. For the legislators too. And I don't, like, I mean this exactly how, how I'm saying it. They never met people like us before. Up until it's December sixteenth, right now, let's say up until early twenty twenty two, they had only met civilians that were full of it and saying they were going to get it, saying they were about it, about it, 
They were about that life and they were coming. They'd only met people that, it's, that, were, that, were, that were willing to say that, but then didn't have any follow through. They weren't, they had never met women like that are in like the Moms for Liberty stuff or the Liberty ladies out here in the Oldham County right where I'm you know, next to where I live. The American Family Association people. They never met the no left turn. They're not used to the no left turn top people. Beanie Go, I think it's, is it Go Hagen? Beanie Go Hagen and Miranda Stovall and Misty Glenn and the people in here in Jefferson County that are fighting. They had like they had maybe seen glimpses of it, heard about it, but but let's all be honest. Like we haven't been fighting the way we needed to fight until like this until like early this year. Now some of those names I just mentioned, they've been at it for a while, but here's the they can't do it all. We all have different personalities and we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And like to be more specific there, the people that have the like ability to manage relationships and like things like that, I feel like didn't tend to be like ride or die on this. It was like it was the people that were more analytical and knew the issues and knew how to explain them in a setting, but didn't know how to talk about them in front of crowds or whatever. But they'd never met people like us. All right. I've, I mean, listen, I for damn sure know they had never met someone that is educated, strong willed, that was a father. That had been through the muck, been out and made it out the mud, and was super redneck, and embraced it, and was determined to make change out there, the way you, the way homeboy right here is. The show is way too much your MC because here's the deal: I'm trying, I'm gonna be way too much all the time, in your face, coming at you with, not just rhetoric about what problems are out there and what we need to change. I'm going to be coming at you with bills already written for you to file that will make it through bill, the bill writers' uh, editing procedures that, I, that I'm going to know is going to could pass if you just file it because I've already talked to the people. Not just in the building with the legislators, but I've talked to the the people. All right, I ain't a lobbyist. I ain't in a group. I ain't in none of these... I, I don't even associate with these big groups that have been writing that have been writing legislation because th their their minds are jaded. They they worry about like, well, that ain't how it works. I don't give two you know what's about how it works. Neither do you. So here's what we're gonna do about it. And honestly, I think this. I mean, listen. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I'm. I, it's a devastating blow that we that this case occurred, or that this ruling came down. But here's the deal. One of the issues with getting legislation passed is the fracturing of the collective mind, when especially on the conservative side of the aisle, because we're also individualistic, and we all get tunnel vision on school choice or parental rights or Second Amendment or tax policy or whatever and like we kind of work against each other whereas the left they just throw it all in a bucket and like one of them might be all about uh passing some gay marriage bill 
But as soon as they find out such and such, it's also a Democrat is pushing this, they don't even ask questions. They just support it. And to an extent, they've kind of, you know, they've, they've, uh, that's why their ground game's so good. Now, I don't want us to be that way. I don't want us to support good stuff. All right. But I specifically want us supporting things and doing, not just going to our legislators and saying, fix this problem. I'm talking about, I want us as people to communicate with each other and come up with a plan to fix it and going to these people saying, hey, you got lucky we voted you in here. Here, but I voted you in because I wanted you to represent exactly what I wanted done. And here's exactly what I want done and what the your constituents want done because I've talked to them. I don't want you to go to some big group. I don't want again, if it's the Second Amendment, if it's the Second Amendment bill, I don't want you going to the National Rifle Association. All right, if it's uh, some kind of bill here in Kentucky, I don't want you going to some big conservative think tank. All right, like. I know some lobbyists, and they're nice. Some of them are nice people, but here's the deal: this is brand new territory. We're talking about real deal, Holyfield individuals putting their money where their mouth is, putting their time where their mouth is, putting in the work themselves, being vulnerable, being honest, being transparent, and getting stuff filed that is straight. From the people, one term I've been I've been coining on Twitter when, I'm, when I make when I do posts that are leg, it's legislative related is the people's lobbyist. Well, that's you know that's really how I see myself. So when I say here's what we're gonna do, I've been working my behind off for the last couple of months on on a few bills. Okay, and here's what we got to do. We got to go right at the education establishment. We do that two ways. Number one, a parents' bill of rights. Now, I'm not talking about some half measure, go out and copy and paste from other states. Now, the other states have some good language in there. All right, but like when I see these bills that are that, that tend to look just like from state to state. They got a whole lot of half-assed language in it. I don't want a whole bunch of it, it. You got teachers can't do this, or parents have a right to do this, unless a reasonably prudent person says that they should. They sh, they don't have to. Or you can't teach this unless it is deemed age appropriate by somebody that lives one hundred fifty thousand miles away from here, and a seventeen-person panel that they chose says that it's okay. No, no. I'm talking about a parents' rights bill that is thought out that includes all the things that we as parents in the state of Kentucky think are important okay I'm talking about here I'm going to give you the language I'm talking about anything that would encompass the fact that as parents we have a right a God given right from from Jesus Christ himself to nurture and direct our children's destiny, including their upbringing and education, but also their mental, emotional, and physical health care and decisions around that health care, and their moral and religious training. 
that it's our right as parents to control all of that. It is the school has zero right over the parent to do any of that. All parental rights are reserved to the parent or guardian of a minor child should be in this state without obstruction or interference from the state, any of its political subdivisions, agencies, or any governmental entity or institution. The Department of of Health has no business being able to unilaterally make your kids, make all the kids in public school wear masks. Zero. We have a right as parents to know our kids aren't going to have to go to school and get bullied around. That they're going to step up. That the, parent, that the teachers, the administration, all that are going to step up, put a stop to it. And then guess what? Tell us. That's what all this stuff comes down to. All this parental rights stuff comes down to. What do you go into the transgender stuff? Okay saying that we as parents have a right to, to know if our child is requesting to be referred to by different by the opposite logical sex I don't give any craps any F's if you are worried that I might harm my kid if you are that worried here's what you have to do you should have to alert the authorities that that, that kid is in a hostile environment you as a teacher have no business being the arbiter of truth with that do what you're good at which is teach I'm willing to tell you you are you're good at that you have a passion for it but if you have an underage kid in your in your classroom and they're pregnant and I have had three Kentucky teachers that are active duty right now tell me that they would not tell a parent that their minor child was pregnant if they asked them not to. You do not have a duty to protect the student's privacy from their parents. Okay, parents have a right to be notified of changes that are hit through his or her child's mental, emotional, or physical well-being. Or the school's ability to provide a safe and supportive learning environment. And there should be procedures put in place for that. We have a right as parents to be notified promptly. And yes, I do go into detail on what promptly means. If there's physical assaults that go on at school, sexual assaults, Appearances of weapons, drug use or possession, police investigations, bullying as defined by KRS 158.148. And we are, Misty Glenn uh, and her son Alex, that got Alex's law passed a couple years ago in Kentucky in the house. And it it died after that in 2020. We included that in here. Okay, we also have a right to know about serious crimes, specifically capital offenses, felonies, or class A misdemeanors. Convicting teachers or other school or local educational agency employees, whether those offenses were committed on or off 
campus of a school convicting of them being convicted of crimes against students on the campus of a school or all of it. So I may have jacked that one up a little bit. I should have just read it all the way out. And then get this. A parent of minor child in this state has inalienable rights that are more comprehensive than those listed in this section and the entirety of this act. Unless the rights, such rights have been lawfully waived or terminated. Just like the Bill of Rights to our United States Constitution. Just because some are listed doesn't mean that's all of them. This is an inclusive list. So this means out of all of those rights that are out there, these have, these are included in there for sure. It's not an exclusionary list that says this is the only ones. It's not a named peril insurance policy. Okay, no K-12 or secondary education institution in Kentucky should be able to impose any of the following requirements. The forced use of any medical device, including but not limited to facial coverings. Any submission to any type of medical procedure or treatment, including not, but not limited to any, to any type of vaccination or testing unless otherwise prohibited by court or state law. You got to throw that in there, right? The school just, they should be able to do it. There shouldn't be an opt-out. Shouldn't be a notification and then you get so many days to tell us if you want it done or not. You just, they should just be able to, if, if we straight up say at school boards, you can't for enforce, you can't even try to enforce any of this stuff. They would be forced to talk about other things and actually do what they're supposed to do. Now again, part of this fight, I ain't trying to go in and try to say we, they can't. You know, there's already required required immunizations under a different statute here in Kentucky. I'm not even trying to mess with that. Okay. If, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm opposed to it, but it's just it's a different deal. I think parents should be able to choose all the vaccines they want. I I never have been anti-vax until this until coronavirus hit. Now I'm like me and my wife. We rethink it. We've rethought everything. I don't look. I don't know that any of them are good now. And that's not my fault. That's that's the CDC's fault. The Department of Health. Good old Andy Bashir. The people that were just pushing stuff without actually doing any research. It's their fault. It's their job to build our trust back up. Now, I'm very specific about a couple things. Parents don't have a couple of rights. They don't have a, they don't have the right to end, to end their kid's life, and they don't have a right to be going and chopping off their little girl's uh, chest or changing their you know having genital genital mutilation stuff going on. They don't have that right, and I'm totally fine saying that the state needs to step in there, and I think they will. Parents also have a right to the expectation that schools will not allow minor children to view members of the opposite sex in various states of undress. Okay. Part of a bill that we're changing the language on started out saying school personnel have a duty to protect the dignity, health, welfare, and privacy rights of students in their care. We're changing that because I'll be honest with you, I don't think they have that I don't think they have that that duty. It's definitely not to protect privacy rights at all costs. That's how that's how the left is. They're using those terms against us and saying like, 
Well, the kids saying that they're scared if they if we tell the parents they're going to get they're going to get killed. So we can't tell. Nope. Tell the kid or tell the authorities. One of those two. Okay. Parents have a right to know they're not their kid isn't going to accidentally stumble upon obscene material in their public school libraries. Okay. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, maybe we hadn't hashed this section out all the way la during the last sec session. I will tell you now, I know wholeheartedly it has been. And even though I had to get in the weeds to rewrite, to like get in this obscene for minors, like definition stuff changed, I've, I've crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's. They can throw the Miller roll at me. They can throw out spring, like any kind of any Supreme Court ruling they want to find. They want to pull out here. Guess what? Miller versus California, nineteen seventy-two, where the Miller rule came out of, which is where Kentucky's obscenity law is. It's verbatim from this. The court opinion allows for a variable standard, okay, for what should be accessible for minors versus adults. It's point blank. So we hadn't hashed that out in Kentucky statute to like define what was obscene for adults and what's obscene for for minors. There's no excuses anymore. I've done it for them, and they've been provided with it, and it will be filed. All right, we we have a right to know when they go to school. They're not be talking about all kinds of all kinds of nonsense there. We know that we have a right to know they're not be talking about. Sexual orientation, sexual preference, and gender expression, and for dang sure not be talking about the teacher's sexual orientation or sexual preferences. That's, I mean, that they're not going to be going and having these stupid drag queen story hours. Y'all can say what y'all want, but it ain't happening in rural Kentucky. Uh, yes, it is, and I can, I can show you the receipts. We have a right to know they're not going to be endorsing any political candidates and hanging up BLM signs or gay pride flags or anything. I'm not saying you can't hang out at your house. Has no business in schools. There's flags hanging in there. Should be American flag, Commonwealth Kentucky flag, Marine Corps flag, Army flag. What I mean, not this controversial stuff where half the country don't like and half the country does. I don't care if half the country doesn't like the American flag. I don't care. It's just it's still allowed to be in a school. All right, so we have fleshed this thing out, and I will be posting this parents' rights bill that I have drafted, not by myself, using other, you know, I've used other resources, and I've had help, but I have been in the trenches on it, and I'm, I don't I don't care to take care of that. I, I've done it, so it is what it is. It wasn't a big group that did it. It wasn't a lobbyist group that I consulted. I actually kept them away because I don't want their old swamp creature habits coming in they oh we can't get that past such such won't pass it let my little country let my country boy little uh personality work do do that part my good old boy holler mentality let me let me convince these people maybe let's, let's see what we can get past before we start walking it back all right so that's the first way we attack it second way i'll be quick on this one this one right here is now this one's big all right but it's I told my my mother this. I said we're from rural Kentucky. 
you know, in those parts of the those parts of the state, school school board races are what they're, they're what they should be. Small dollar donations. Somebody raises five grand, another one raises eight grand, two grand, or whatever, and they run. In Jefferson County, for the four races that were that were just ran, and the union backed people won it, they spent almost a million freaking dollars on these school board races. I think the most any of the candidates of those of the union backed candidates that they raised on their own was like ten thousand dollars. But the least amount of money that any of them had was a hundred like a hundred and fifty thousand. All the per- parents' choice people that ran, I think the most they have is like fifteen for any one of them. So we're talking about a million dollars versus like forty total. And it's not from winning the war of ideas or, or spreading their message better. Three of the four union back candidates didn't raise a damn dollar on their own. It all came from the from the teacher association, and the, and their sub, you know, their uh, affiliates and sub 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 political organizations and all that. So that's the next way we attack this. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get in the weeds on the unions, and I'm not arguing there shouldn't be a union. I'm not arguing. People should be they should be allowed to form collectives and get you know get better insurance rates and all that stuff. Now I think there's an argument on like should you be able to collectively bargain against your neighbor, which is what you're doing whenever you're collectively bargaining against the state. No matter no you know nobody wants to admit this, teachers are paid by their next door neighbors. That's where that money's coming from. But not, I'm not even try, I'm not even trying to go that route. The same way I'm not trying to argue about the science with COVID mandates. They just they. That's one thing that's you know, free, freedom is free is freedom is freedom. Like you either don't have the ability to make me put a diaper on my face ever, or you or you have a right to put a face put a diaper on my face. There's no, you know, I don't believe in these middle ground things where you you can't tell me if I can't go to church unless you really think hard about it and you think. I'm at risk, and then you can keep me from going to church. No, not, that's not that's not what I'm about. I don't think none of y'all are either. But the next thing, and this right here, this is a bill that's, that comes from the top. This is Senate leadership here. I ain't met with him yet, but I'm gonna meet with him. Everybody's scared to death of him. Oh, Robbie, oh Robbie Stivers. El, I'm gonna call him El Presidente. I tell everybody, listen, if I don't have a, a nickname from you, if I don't have a term of endearment for you, then I probably don't like you. You know, if I call you Mr. The, Mr. I'm, I'm going to call you like that once, but then when we get in a conversation, enunciating is too hard for me. So I can't be saying representative every time. Representative Callaway, representative, I can't. Representative Stiver, Senator Stiver, it's too much. It's the El Presidente right here. Roll Robbie, listen, you are from Manchester, right? You're from Clay County. There ain't no way you ain't never heard of Leo Davidson, bruh. My great uncle is a cock-fighting legend in Clay County. So if you were really about Clay County, then, like, listen, we are two peas in a pod. And I didn't know what your politics was until I found this bill. But, brother, I am excited to meet you. This is one of the sections of this bill. No public employer shall assist directly or indirectly 
any labor organization, person, or other legal entity with the collection of dues, fees, assessments, payments, or other charges or personal information related to them. Now, he's got if any funds are to be used for political activities. I think it should be stopped at. We're not in the business. We're not. In, we're not in the business of directly or indirectly collecting dues, fees, assessments, payments, or other charges. But if we want to hammer, if we want to hammer these unions and really, like, again, I actually don't want to make it that way. I don't want it to be like we're coming after the unions. Or not. they have a right to exist, but they don't have a right to free payroll services. They don't have a right to lie to their members and not. Or maybe not even lying, not be fully truthful with them, and actually have to have to prove to them like they're providing a good a good service for them. Basically, teacher the teachers union is the mafia. They're like this. They're I mean, whoever your union rep is, they're basically Tony Soprano. They are forcing you to buy protection from them because ain't nobody else trying to come at you. Right, again, I'm not trying to get into the merits of whether or not they're doing good things for you or not. I'm saying they have no right to be able to come and rent seats from the government and to have a monopoly on their services because they're the only ones that the government will payroll deduct for. And then I don't want to add to the government, make it even bigger by opening up and saying that 10 unions can get payroll deducted and the state government's having to figure out ways to get the money to everywhere. No, how about this? There's just be this and everything else is open market. Teachers unions can choose their union. They don't have to be in in any certain one, or they don't have to be in one at all. They should have to win on the merits. There's like they should have to know there's more than one teachers union, and they should have to cut a check. Right, let me frame that a better way. They should have to be able to convince you they're worth you cutting a check to them. Now, the way he's got it set up here, it says they're not willing to do that unless they're involved in political activity. We're not willing to collect any of those things if they're involved in political activity. If that's where we have to go, I'm fine with that. I Honestly, I want to fight. So let's just fight. I, love, I mean, I love it. I love it in the trenches. Because he, the way he identified, the way old uh, Senator Stivers, I'm gonna give it to him once. Call him Senator Stivers. The way he, the way he defines political activities in here, man, it's masterful. I love seeing a good old redneck hillbilly country boy doing some like, doing some masterful shit. I love it. I mean, I want to go to war for this dude. I'm over here like, I'm over here like, I'm flexing up. I'm like, I'm over. I might do some push-ups after I hang up here. Because, I guarantee you. This again. This is why it might be the smart idea to let him do it the way he's done it here, because let them decide. Do you want to be involved in political activities? And yes, having sub affiliates that you're donating money to that are spending money on on uh, candidates and different. I mean, the list is awesome. Senator Shivers, you're freaking dude. You got it, bro. And as long as you'll meet with me and talk to me, I will be in that building every day, championing this thing. How awesome to be for two. Two redneck Eastern Kentucky boys to come together and just own something like this. I mean, I get pumped up thinking about that. 
but they'd have to choose, okay, do you want free payroll services or do you want to be involved in politics? Because if you want to be involved in politics, you're going to have to, then you're going to have to sell yourself to your membership. You make the decision. But I'm even want to go a step further. One thing these unions hold over teachers' head is their, is their errors and omissions insurance. I floated this idea to several legislators, and guess what? They're all like, this is what I'm saying. I'm not an old-school Republican. All right, I'm, a pop, I'm, kind of a, I'm a populist type dude. I'm not against spending money. If to show the teachers that this is not an anti-teacher bill, we have to absorb the cost of their E&O as a state, by God, let's do it. That would really hammer those unions because that's how they, they scare you to death that you're going to get sued. Well, if you do, we cover it. As long as you ain't violating one of the parental rights that we have over here. And if you're, if you're violating those parental rights, you better hope some Lloyd's Association is willing to insure you for you not telling the parents about the kid being transgender. And especially when we know that uh, about, it's about 80% chance they're, they're having suicidal thoughts. Right, so that's how, listen, from an educational standpoint, that's how we hammer us. That's how we hammer it. On that parental rights bill, listen, legislators, you're listening to me. I have been around that building. I've talked to your colleagues. We have universal support for what I'm talking about here. This this bill. Now, there, like, there, I think there may be one other one that ends up getting filed that is that will have good stuff in it as well. But then I know there's another one that I really don't trust. But the other one I'm talking about is going to be good. It's been it's going to be carried by a rep that I that I trust. I trust him to I trust him to watch my kids. And he's a good he's a good old boy from down in East Kentucky. I mean, I you know listen, we got so many we got so many good East Kentucky reps right now. This state, this country, they need y'all. They need strong Eastern Kentucky Appalachian good old boy hillbillies that walk the walk and talk the talk to do what needs to be done. I'm gonna leave you I'm gonna leave you with that tonight. All right. But that's my battle plan. I, those are the two things educationally I'm going after. Parental rights and doing away with this monopoly that the KEA has on our teachers. When they have other options, and those other options do not have the same benefits that KE does as far as collecting their dues and all that. They bully these teachers to death. My mother has told me that you were, as a teacher, you were scared to death to not sign up for that union. Now, I've been reached out by other unions that they just, again... They don't want it. To, they don't want it through their own payroll collection. They just want to be. They just want to be in that. I'm sorry, I'm not a lobbyist. I want to do what is right for the state and right for the people. And ain't nobody voting in nobody else so they can vote to give to give you free payroll services. You can go to ADP or whatever, just like I had to in my insurance business, or like Buck County Coal does has to do in the coal business. You can do it too. 
Let me know what y'all think. So I'm going to be disseminating these bills out to all of our, our like smaller groups and all that. Like I'm, I'm not trying to hoard it. This ain't about, this ain't about John Ross Marcus Cox. It's about all. It's about all of us. Iron sharpens iron. So talk to me, email me, text me, call me. Show up at my house. Whatever, whatever, whatever you feel like you need to do. Let me know what you think. You see it posted in there, and you like it. Send it to your rep and say, I, I don't care about what else is out there. I want this, this one. I don't want a half measure. I want this piece of legislation done. It is ready to rock. They could send this thing to a bill writer tomorrow, and it would they wouldn't have to change a word. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all for listening. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that. Yo, you got all that good stuff. Do it for me. I need you. I'm ride or die for you, but I gotta have I, I, I gotta have you. All right. Love y'all. Y'all have a good rest of your day. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your weekend. You will you will hear from me again before Christmas. So no no, no need to worry about that. We'll talk soon. Appreciate y'all. <laughs>